Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for the unofficial 40. Soonerscoop.com's very official recruiting podcast featuring Soonerscoop.com recruiting publisher, Josh McQuistian. Get your recruiting fix from the leader in Sooner Recruiting. It's the unofficial 40 with your hosts, Soonerscoop.com publishers, Gary Murdoch and Josh McQuistian. Welcome back, everybody. It is another unofficial 40 Soonerscoop.com podcast. This is for the week of uh, Monday 6th through Friday the 10th. And uh, normally, this would be, in all other worlds uh, of Bob Stoops' existence, this would have been the first week of spring football. Uh, Sooners getting ready to go on spring break next week. But as it stands, they pushed it back to the 21st this year. We did have Pro Day this week, so we got plenty to talk about. Josh McQuistian was down at the Dallas Nike camp. Uh, last weekend, we got uh, the Rivals New Orleans camp, I believe, coming up this weekend. Uh, and uh, we now welcome in Josh McQuistian, who joins us from his studio. Josh, how you doing? Good, guys. Just uh, I'm anxious to hear some takes on Pro Day. Uh, Eddie Radosevich and Joe Duvall join us here in studio. And we were talking about this earlier. Uh, there was a video that surfaced today of a guy doing an interview on the BBC and his kids come strolling in right in the middle. Like the BBC, the British Broadcasting Company, this would be like the equivalent of like NBC News. Uh, a guy doing a Skype interview, and his kids just come waltzing in the room uh, behind him, and we just thought to ourselves, man, that is like Josh during every podcast right there. It's sometimes the dog, sometimes a kid. I mean, there's the, the exciting part for me is that there's always a variable. It could always be someone. Is there an Asian nanny ready to just like slide into frame and grab the dog? <laughs> we are Sans Asian nanny. I, I'm part Asian nanny in this house. That That's pretty much part of my role, too. So uh, I, I'm a man of many hats in this house. That's the best part of the video, if you haven't seen it. It's, it's the nanny crawling in like an army crawling. She's terif- no, she's sliding into second base, she's man. She's terrified for her life that this guy's going to see her. This, it's you very, think she gets beaten? Uh, oh, I mean, she's done. That's, Eddie and I were talking. She's, she's no longer working there, right, Eddie? I'm, I'm sure that that's why she was so late in getting in is because you can only go so far <laughs> when you're chained to the wall. <laughs> God, Eddie, as a man who can understand the anger that that woman clearly lives under, how how far did did he go? Like he didn't just fire Eddie. Like so, what was the next step? Like did he the taker? Like he, he found a country. way to foreclose on her home. Like how, how did he really do it? Probably sent her out of the country. She probably is no longer in England. Reporter to Trump. Yeah, no, I think he was American. Oh, was he? I think it was. A, See, I didn't even. It was a really horrible office. It had like a. It was decorated by like a map that was hanging on yeah, the that wall. That was weird. There was no backdrop. It was uh, obviously in the corner of a room. That was odd. It was really funny though. Josh, <laughs> Josh, if you did a setup, would you do like the, if you did a video? Would you do the Schefter setup with like puts a little mini football helmets around you? Is that how you'd roll? I think probably. Like I'm sitting in my desk in my office, and I like 
there's just a big wall behind me and like there's a, a chair rail and some kind of like um I don't even know how you describe it. Like within the room, there are like these these trim pieces that are kind of shaped out all the way around the room. It's kind of like a design on the wall. Um, and I, I don't know if I would stick like I, I the two things in my office that are framed are the Indianapolis Star from the day that the Colts won the Super Bowl and the day that the Colts in that same year. Uh, came back and beat the Patriots finally in that AFC Championship game. Those are the two framed things that hang in this office, and I don't know if I would arrange them to be behind me or not. I don't. I don't think so. That would look. It's a little fanboyish even for me to admit that. So to have them uh, prominently displayed seems unlikely. I'm I'm happy that uh, Peyton Manning could get your Colts uh, one Super Bowl championship just like he got my Broncos one. It seems like a fair trade off there for both of us. Well, he he also got us Andrew Luck, who's going to bring at least two or three before you know. As long as I can get that um, that Bill Belichick assassination plan in place, then we're we're, we're going to be fine. And you know, a defense and an offensive line and a yeah. Run, a well, I, hey, I got my uh, the, the GM removal plan went into action step this one. year, so my first step is is well underway. I would one hundred percent advise uh, Andrew Luck to make the playoffs before we start talking about Super Bowls. What? See, okay. Andrew Luck has become like it, people like forgot. Like last year, they were like, "Is Andrew Luck? Is he overrated?" Two years ago, the guy was in the AFC Championship game. Like people act like he just invented. Like he just is this made up thing. Now he got destroyed in that AFC Championship game. But how many of those did that happen to Peyton in before he finally got over the hump? In a world where Mike Glennon is worth fourteen million dollars, Andrew oh. Luck is. He's a god. He's, He's a gold yeah. bar. Like mm-mm. Mike Glenn. The, Mike Glenn getting fifteen million dollars a year is also just crazy town. Alshon, if you're in, if you're in the NFL and you're going to take five guys in the league, like you, you have the top five guys that you're going to start a franchise with, I don't think there's any person on earth that wouldn't have Andrew Luck in that five. Are you saying just quarterback? Or are you saying overall? Uh, overall. Whew. Whew. Cam Newton. Well, I mean, look at it this way. Look at Cam Newton was league MVP, and then he was all. I mean, he's just trash now because of last year. I mean, he wasn't great last year, but his defense, as soon as they lost, uh, what's his name, crying guy, uh, Luke Keekley, uh, his defense just went to trash. I mean, they were not very good. No. But the thing you also but, have to consider But you can't tell that, me like, that Cam Newton isn't one of the best physical free quarterbacks that's in the league right now a hundred percent but how long can cam newton play the way cam newton plays as long as his body holds up i mean that that's the thing like you're uh, andrew luck can play his way if 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 he has an offensive line he can play till he's 40 42 he can do just like brady's done but cam newton ain't gonna play that long there's i don't care how big and strong he is which he's a freak show but you, you can't run like that and, and survive in the league because there are guys bigger and faster than you. Now, I you look, I think having a guy like Deshaun Watson in the draft, I'm not, I mean, like Mitch Trubisky, he, it's, he looks great. He looks the part, all that stuff. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put my franchise on Mitch Trubisky nope. if, it, if, it, if, it, if my life depended on it. Mm-mm, not a chance. Although but I, Deshaun Watson, I'd, I'd definitely... You know, I he's the guy I'd take. I don't see any other quarterback. I mean, like Russell Wilson, that happens every once in a while. That happens. I mean, it happened with Dak Drew Prescott. Brees. Yeah, Dak Prescott. That stuff happens. But 
it's just uh, the NFL is a bizarre league in that you can be a great quarterback and go to a team in a horrible situation without a defense, without an offensive line, and you'll never be any. I mean, you're not going to convince me that Sam Bradford in a in a really good situation wouldn't be one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. I think he can still be Carson Palmer if he finds the right situation. 100%. I completely agree. So, say, Sam's accuracy, like people that haven't seen it close up, it's hard to understand. Like, he really great quarterbacks can't spin it like he can spin it. Like, I mean, there, there is there's something very special about that skill for him. And he's just never had a good situation. I mean, and it, he was just on the run and kind of outgunned from the minute he had to run a Jeff Fisher offense. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, talking about NFL stuff, let's just move on to Pro Day a little bit. Um, obviously, man, I – you know, what's bizarre about this whole process is Joe Mixon didn't get to go to the Combine. Joe Mixon has all these issues in his past. Uh, all this talk about Joe Mixon and what he's done. But you know what? I'll say this. Joe Mixon, to me, has done about as many of the right things as it, you can do. Since, I mean, si- well, let's face it. His, he screwed up for a very long time. But ever since he apologized right before Christmas... I, other than hiring an agent that's kind of stupid, I can't really say that Joe Mixon has done anything wrong throughout this process in comparison to D.D. Westbrook. When you look at the two, like, this is how you handle a situation. And D.D. Westbrook was never really under fire like Joe Mixon was. Yet D.D. Westbrook continually does things that makes me question whether I would want to waste a draft pick on him. It was always really interesting, too, that... Uh, you know, you you see a guy like D.D. Westbrook who was basically given the opportunities that Joe wasn't and then completely Didn't turned do around and then doing. Yeah, exactly. The I the senior combine or senior uh, Pro senior Bowl, Bowl thing was or senior bowl was really weird. Uh, the, the he could have gone and he could have gone to the senior bowl, but he turned down the invite. Yeah. And, and then the you go into the Indianapolis thing, him not working out and sounding like he just completely collapsed in all the interviews that he did up there with uh, GMs and uh, teams and it just it, it's really weird and I thought there was no better like representation of that was just our eight minute conversation with the two at uh, OU's Pro Day on Wednesday it was just I, I, I just think that Didi is really really immature and hopefully he wakes up before it's too late he's 23 years old though that's yeah that's and that's the crazy thing is he is older is he just a knucklehead and he's just stamped with that forever I, I don't know. It just, like, the whole, like, and I don't know. He could have been, he very well could have been lying about it. But the whole thing about, like, eating McDonald's, even though you're not supposed to, I know it's, like, a really, like, He got excited about talking about Trivial that thing. But I don't think that that's exactly what you want to go in and tell a GM, like. No. Yeah, I'm not going to just, I'm not doing what my trainer tells me to do because I like eating McDonald's. Once you're in the league already and doing well, if you're, you know, Calvin Johnson or if you're, you know, Deshaun uh, Hopkins or whatever, it, or, uh, you can do that. You can you can say all right I like McDonald's and I'm out here putting up a thousand five hundred uh, fifteen hundred yard seasons anyway. If I'm Antonio Brown, I can say I love eating two whoppers a day, and the Steelers won't have anything to say about it. But if you're fighting for a job, I, I just don't understand giving anybody any reason not to take you. And I, he's done that a lot. And I also think Joe's done that a few times. But I, I I don't get why give anybody any excuse to put a negative in your column. I, I I don't get it. If you have a chance to go run for him, go run for him. 
If you have a chance to go to the Senior Bowl, go to the Senior Bowl. Expose yourself. You look defensive if you don't. You look like you're hiding something if you don't do those things. Well, then he tweeted out stuff yesterday. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, and it had like a Young Money watermark on it, which is his agency, that said uh, he ran a 429 in the 40 when he never ran anything close to that. effect. I mean, it's just, I look at that stuff and I, I'm just a guy just watching. What does a GM think about that that's scrutinizing these guys? Every little thing that they do. No one's going to be fooled by the, the graphic he put up. He thinks there's a GM. Oh, man, you ran a 429. We're good. Like, why would you lie? They, they check that stuff out. Does it's, Young Money think that they're doing a, like a MTV Cribs episode or something? Like that perception is reality? These GMs don't play that stupid crap. Well, and that... Or coaches. You think Mike Zimmer, who was there, looks at that and says... Oh, well, he must have been better than I thought. Everybody else must have just been lying. I, I it, It's bewildering that he he thinks that you could just get away with that stuff. But at the same time, I just don't know if there's anybody in his corner that he really needs telling him, you know, cut this shit out. You don't need to be doing this right now two months before the draft or one month before the draft. Oh, you had him with a 4-3-4. That's plenty fast. That's great. Just write that down. The... I don't know. It, it's really weird. And, you know, I, I think still, too, that, you know, Didi is an extremely good wide receiver. It's going to be interesting, though, to see where he ends up, just because I don't think that he's not a guy that you can bring in. He's not a I don't think he's a Sterling. Somebody asked me before OU Pro Day. And Josh, feel free to comment on this, too. Who do you think would go first, Didi or, or Westbrook? And I immediately said, oh, Westbrook or, or Joe Mixon or Didi Westbrook. Immediately, the thought that popped in my head was, oh, well, D.D. Westbrook will go first because he doesn't have the baggage. Now it's it's added up to the point where, like, I think Joe Mixon might go before D.D. Westbrook now. 100%. I I think it's almost certain at this point. D.D.'s hurt himself. You know, and something Eddie said earlier kind of made me think of this. How much did Joe, going through what he did and announcing at the time he did and that story about D.D.'s problems kind of coming out – how much did Joe shield DD? Because all anybody wanted to talk about was Joe, and that story with DD kind of just went away. Like everybody was mad about it for a couple of days, and then it went right back to well, Joe Mixon, and he's gonna, you know, th- there was all of that talk. So at every turn, Joe has given DD an advantage, and at every turn, DD's not taking advantage of it. So I, I don't. This whole thing is weird, but at this point, I don't think there can be any doubt that Joe's going to go before Didi. I don't think there's any question anymore. As bad as as Peter Schaefer, who is Joe Mixon's agent, came off and has come off and you know is is looked in this thing, he looks like the agent of the year compared to Young Money Sports Agency or whatever they're called. I, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that the guy. Is just he's a complete loser, but he knows what he's talking about. I mean, he he's done this for quite a while, hasn't he? I, he was at Lil Wayne. No, uh, Peter Schaefer. Peter Schaefer. <laughs> I mean, he was he represented Barry Sanders. He represented guys that have been in the NFL. He Adam has, Jones. He represents. Yeah, and Adam Jones just keeps continuing to get opportunities. I mean, he gets yeah. arrested at a strip club, hits a stripper, or chokes her out, or something. Next day, he's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go sign with. Whatever team. I think it was the Cowboys. Little Wayne and Peter Schaefer are the exact opposite people. Schaefer's a loser that knows what he's doing, <laughs> and Wayne is not a loser and has no idea what he's doing. It's ironic. 
I mean, Dee Dee Westbrook, your your the name of your representation has been to prison, like, and people can remember that. Like in recent memory, he's been to prison. It feels like a, a marketing thing, right? It feels like not that I don't you know appreciate the theme song to you know ballers, but I say it's a marketing thing. It feels like they're trying to make Dee Dee cool, and and I I don't maybe it's working. Maybe there are people that think, oh yeah, Dee Dee is cool, but that's not who they need to be selling to right now. That's not the target audience right now. Your target audience is GMs, and GMs don't give a. F- oh shoot, sorry. That's gonna have to be beat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they don't give a hoot. You want to start over? Can start over what? The whole podcast? <laughs> God bless No. America. We're trying to get this thing over okay. with. No, no, not Can the whole podcast. Like a young thought. money audio that over that instead of like a straight beep? Yeah. Can well, I start I'd rather the- have Lil Wayne cussing than you. <laughs> I'm not as good at it. Obviously. Uh, no, but your point is valid, although grotesque and profane. <laughs> yeah. Um, our first F bomb. The I really thought it was going to be me. <laughs> I would have bet money on it. I was going to say hoot, and I thought, don't say hoot. That's a stupid thing to say. And then it just came out. Leave it up to the leave it up to the hipster folk guy to get so mad at Lil Wayne that he can't control himself yeah. and drops an F bomb. <laughs> exactly. He's, it. If he's allowed to say it, I'm allowed to You're say it. You're not even right? in a man bun today. No, no. Does that matter? Does a man bun? I mean just think cuss? that it would make your head tighter and make you more susceptible to anger. We've hated him since he didn't show up at Coachella in 20, <laughs> 2015. <laughs> I don't even know I don't even know where Coachella is. Is it it's in California. PGA West. Is that the one in the desert? Yeah. Yeah, you stay on a golf course. I, I <laughs> I know it's a lot of money to go to. And houses that you can rent on a golf course. <laughs> Some people stay in the houses, but yeah. most people just sleep on the fairways. That's where trust fund hipsters go. Yeah. I would I would have to get a house. You know, it's really funny, too, that, you know, everybody, we've spent all this time talking about Joe Mixon. We've spent all this time talking about uh, Dee Dee Westbrook. And it's almost like Jordan just, Evans. It kind of goes into it. Well, the, Jordan Evans was amazing, but. Samaj P. Ryan goes to the combine, has a pretty good workout, and he still gets overshadowed by uh, Joe Mixon. It's kind of yeah. just been like the story of his career. But you know what, Young Money? He's not getting overshadowed by the GMs that were there. They That's look true. at the tape and they care about the tape and all that stuff. Jordan Evans, by the way, he had the best vertical of any linebacker at the combine if he had been there, and he would have ran the second fastest 40 of any linebacker at the combine, only behind Jabril Peppers who was basically a safety at Michigan. So of guys that played linebacker last year in college football that are going to be in the draft, he was the fastest and jumped the highest. I, and by the way, Jordan Evans isn't some guy that's like 5'11", 215 pounds. He's 6'2", 232. So I, I think he did everything possible to make himself a draftable player. I, I think, he had a great I, OU Pro Day. I think there's no question now that he's going to get drafted. I think I think he's. it's just a matter of when, right? I think he gets drafted. And Josh, you could speak to this really well. Um I don't think he, I don't think anybody in the NFL is going to look to play this guy as a middle linebacker. No, I, I, that was the first thought as Joe was talking all about all that. You look at that, the testing stuff. That's a that's an NFL will linebacker in a four three. I mean, that's what they're looking for. So I mean, he'll he'll get a shot. He's got a good pedigree. He's a locker room kid. Like there's a lot. Like his. You know he's one of those kids that NFL scouts are going to go back and talk to Bob about, and Bob's going to be like, "Yeah, he w- he was one of the rocks of our team." You know, I mean, he, he was as we win, he went. So I I think that'll he'll I, it it really wouldn't shock me if he's a fifth round pick. Like I, I and last week at this time I would have said probably undrafted free agent and nothing more than a cup of coffee. But that's I mean that's why people always wonder you know why these kids. 
go off and train, you know, while they just stay at OU and work and blah. This is why. So they can, like, because there are stories like this every year where a kid that you were like, ah, maybe, is, he's going to get a real, a real shot now to make a roster. I was talking about this this morning uh, on my radio show because we're talking to Mark Cooper of Oklahoma State. You know, Oklahoma State sent two guys to the combine, or had two guys get invited to the combine, and Ashton Lampkin uh, and Vincent Taylor. Uh, OU had a guy invited that wasn't even on their team, and Charles Walker. There were I counted up this morning. There were seven guys in the Big Twelve, defensive guys that got invited to the combine, and. Like Jordan Stearns had a really good pro, good pro day at OSU, and then uh, the Burton kid, the linebacker, put up some monster numbers as well. And then Jordan Evans puts up these monster numbers. It really is like the bias of the Big Twelve having no defenses seeped into hurting them now and just getting invites to the combine. Yeah, and Jordan Willis from K State, the Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year, he had a really good combine. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm reading. I was reading stuff on DD Westbrook too, and scouts were saying. Now, the competition he's going up against is just not good. He's going up against poor competition. And I'm wondering how well do they truly know how good that corner is. Maybe they know. Maybe they see that, the man, all these corners in the Big 12 are just terrible. But I wonder how much of that is just a bias seeping in. If there's, you know, if they're just prejudging the Big 12 in that kind of way. Now, the Big 12 has given them you know, ample ammunition to do that. But I think that's also, if you look at the state of college football, that's kind of how college football is in general now. The Big 12 may have been ahead of the curve, in 08 and 09, all those quarterbacks were there and they were having these huge numbers. But now that's just college football across the board. Did you see, did you see the SEC defenses, what they gave up in the bowl games? That's what happens. When Nick Saban plays a spread team, that's what happens. That's what happens with offenses the way they are now. It's not just a Big 12 thing anymore. I think it might take a few years for that to fully phase out. But I, I, I don't think it's just a Big 12 problem anymore to have bad defenses. Well, to me, uh, go ahead, Kerry. No, you go ahead, Josh. Unless you're talking about, you know, a written article or a YouTube video breakdown, to me, you are. There's a good chance you are not a great evaluator if you're on television in the first thirty or and you got thirty or forty five seconds to talk, and you're going to choose to spend that time talking about the level of competition. Man, do you know how many great NFL players played at F- F- FCS level, lower NAIA? I mean, like you go down the list. There are guys that played garbage competition, but it's like I say when I watch these kids in high school because I see this all the time. I mean, they're, they're, usually the kid I'm there to watch is the only Division One player on that football field. That that's usually the way that works. But if you can't decipher, well, he's very good, and, he, and if he doesn't dominate accordingly, then okay. But Denny Westbrook, even if you want to argue that he didn't play great competition. He dominated that competition to a fashion that you should against lesser opponents. So, I mean, I, that's one of those things where, to me, that's really lazy. And I, I've yep. always, it always bothers me when people bring up level of competition because, to me, it tells me you don't know what you're looking at. How many times does that happen, though, in the war room when they're trying to decide between player A and player B? And then, you know, say player A played in, uh, you know, the American Conference versus player B who played in the SEC. I mean, well, let's go Jared Goff versus Carson Wentz. Yeah, okay. That's I guess that's a pretty good comparison. And the, everybody went with Jared Goff because they felt like he played a higher level of competition. Yeah. And it turns out Carson Wentz is a hell of a lot better quarterback than Jared Goff so far. Well, and that's kind of my point. Like, if all things are equal, if you if you go down 27 qualifiers and you feel like, ah, it's, it's pretty close, and you feel like, okay, the big school guy, that makes more sense, I get that. 
I'm just saying, like, if that's one of the first two or three things that you want to talk about, it it, it doesn't it, it I don't know that just doesn't sit well with me. I mean, look, you look at what Deshaun Watson did against Alabama last year or the last two years. That should say something to you. I mean, you you're not going to see a guy face better competition in a critical situation where where game means that much than what Deshaun Watson did two years in a row. Now, I'm not saying that means that he should be a star in the NFL. I'm just saying, if all things are equal, and I'm looking at Mitch Trubisky versus Deshaun Watson, I'm putting my reputation on the line for Deshaun Watson because of what he did against Alabama uh, in that in, in the physical tools that he has. I mean, I don't think Trubisky, did he outrun Watson in the 40? I don't think he did. I think it was like 468 to 471 or something like that. Uh, but, I mean... It's close, and I'm sure there's some things that Trubisky looks better. And I'll, I'll admit, I watched the combine. I watched him run around. I watched him throw. He looks, I mean, like, if I didn't know he played at North Carolina, and I just, and I didn't know any of the helmets, you know, that they wore in, in college, I would say, man, that kid really deserves a, a strong look. He played really well in the bowl game. I just remember Trubisky watching that did. in New Orleans while we were down there. And, you know, he, he kind of led them. They were played awful the entire game, and he led them in the fourth quarter. Uh, to within, I think, a two-point conversion. And maybe they'll both be great quarterbacks, but I'm just saying, I mean, it matters to me what Deshaun Watson did in big games against the best competition. Yeah, and with Deshaun Watson, it's not just that he won games, because I think people did that with Vince Young. Man, he look at all those games he won. He was just a winner with those physical tools, and they drafted him, and the Titans took him in the top ten. And then you find out, well, you know, he doesn't really have the drive to get better. He does not a great thrower of the football, doesn't have great accuracy. So those things don't really translate to the NFL. Deshaun Watson can throw the football. He completed 70% of his passes a year ago. I, 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 don't, I don't see this. If, the, if there's a fatal flaw in Deshaun Watson, I don't see it. And I've seen what he can do on the field, and I've seen it succeed. So I, I'm with you, Kerry, especially in a job like that that's so volatile you can lose it with one wrong draft pick. Give me Watson. I, I like Trubisky. I like what he has. But if I'm putting pen to paper, I'm writing down Watson if I know my, my job's on the line. But, I mean, back to the point we're talking about. I mean, you know, players of the Big 12, well, the level of competition or whatever – Look, you're seeing it with some of these guys that didn't get invited to the Combine. The reason that they're on the field in the Big 12 is because they can run, because they can change direction, because they are big and fast, uh, and you're not always getting that in the Big 10 when you go look at defensive guys. Now, you might find uh, big, strong guys on the defensive line, great linebackers, maybe some safeties, uh, but, man, the linebackers can really run in the Big 12, and that that's what matters to the NFL. Can you run? Is your speed better than 95% of the rest of, of you know of this draft class. It'll it I I'm kind of in between on Jordan Evans. I I think that, you know, I don't know how surprised I am that he he did really well as far as numbers wise, but I don't know, it just it seemed like he disappeared so much in those first 6 games. He's he, not an inside guy. I mean, yeah. that's the thing with Jordan. I mean, he needs to be somebody on the outside that can chase down the ball and and make plays. It'll be interesting. I, I don't know. He's not going to have to cover a lot of teams like Texas Tech in the NFL. I mean, he's not going to be doing that, – that's the big glaring negative against Jordan Evans is that Texas Tech tape. And while there are plenty of effort issues that were in there as well, that's also a scheme he's not really going to have to cover a lot against in the NFL, especially if he's a 4-3 outside linebacker. So I, I think that with Jordan I, – I said this in my article – he by far uh, – had the best pro day just especially when you consider where he came from and where his stock is now uh and part of that reason is just flat speed he ran a four five 
40. One of the reasons why Joe Mixon and D.D. Westbrook are going to get drafted probably fairly high even despite their past is because Joe Mixon ran a, what, 4-4-3-40 and D.D. ran the 4-3-4-40. When you're that fast, that's, that's, that's football now. You have to be that fast. And you can nowhere else was that more apparent when you saw Dakota Austin's 40 time. What, you ran a 4-9? And that guy, that, that made the Houston game come in complete perspective when you look back on it. How did they ever expect for Dakota Austin to lock down one half of the field when he's 5'10 and running four nines? It, it was just, you can see where the talent is that you need to win and where the talent was that, that you, it just couldn't hold up before. By the way, I will say this. I uh, am so glad that both Eddie and Joe were there at Pro Day because this is turned, it, Pro Day has turned, I've gotten so old Pro Day has turned into this thing where it's like a big family reunion. So you have all these former players that are there. You have the coaches that are out there hanging around. And it literally was like I could not walk five feet without running into somebody else. It was just like, oh, my God, I haven't seen you in so long. And it was I mean, it's it's cool because you get some kind of good information. Like Gerald McCoy was there and Gerald McCoy is Josh McQuistian's biggest fan. Still to this day, you have a uh, you have a bromance there, Josh. That is uh, beyond any other bromance. Well, Gerald and I have that, but the the real relationship and the McCoy connection is Tiffany and Gerald's dad. There is some serious love between those two people. That's a uh, that's I love a special Gerald's thing. Dad, man, he is the best. Like you cannot he, help but just dude. smile as soon like as soon as we saw each other, we both just started laughing. Because, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. And, you know, every time I see Gerald and his dad, I just think about uh, his, his, his mom, too. Patricia was her name, right? Yep, that's her. Yep. Uh, she died of an aneurysm. I'm, I was trying to think, did she die, like, right his first season in Tampa Bay or right before? No, he was still in Norman. Was AK. he still in that was That was, um, I want to say, the spring following his, uh, what would have been, 06. When he redshirted in that spring going into 07, I want to say it's when she passed. Um, I, I I know he was still in Norman, and I think that's the right year. You know, that's um, right, because Adrian Peterson was still around. I remember mm-hmm. the last time she was at a practice was when Adrian Peterson was still at OU. Yep, yep. She was and super sweet lady. Like The thing I always remember when I think about her, I went over to the, uh, the McCoy's house one time to do an interview and just kind of meet them, you know, catch up with them a little bit. Because they really, I mean, they they ingratiated into the family. Like for a long time, his dad would call me for Christmas and wish me, you know, Merry Christmas. So that, that they, they're just that kind of family. And I had gone over to do an interview. And afterward, I was like going to get a new mugshot of Gerald. So I go outside and I go to take the picture. And Gerald's doing what most of the kids do, man. He's, he's got his, he had glasses on. And he's this huge hulking guy, and he looks, you know, he looked kind of scary. If you didn't know Gerald, know what a sweet kid he is. And she kind of looks at him, she stops, and she goes, "You are not going to prison. Take smile in your picture." And she literally <laughs> made him smile for his rival's profile picture. And man, he couldn't have jumped to it more quickly when she said to, and it's still on his page to this day. So it, it's just funny how you know these funny little memory stuff you remember about recruiting. Well, it was you know it's funny because like. Gerald showed up and we talked for a little bit and I talked to his dad for even longer and then he, Mike Stoops saw him. So Mike like Mike, got every single one of his defensive linemen that were there and brought him over to Gerald and they had he just wanted he wanted them to meet Gerald and talk to Gerald and Gerald was more than happy to kind of talk to everybody that 
was on the current roster that wanted to come up there. But, you know, like Zach Sanchez came back. I'm trying to think of all the people that were there. There were a ton of guys. Dominic Alexander was Dominic there. Dominic Alexander was there. Uh, Roy Williams was there. Roy Williams, yeah. yeah. Uh, Rufus Alexander was there. Dusty was there, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of, like, just recent guys. Gabe Bell. Uh, Gabe Bell. Gabe, Gabe Blake, Eichert and Blake, Blake Bell. Bell. Gabe Blake Eichert. Bell was there, yeah. Of course, Austin Woods was, was already a coach, so he was there. But, yeah, I mean, it's just so many people. And, uh, you know, it was good. To, you know, you have so many players, too. And, it, you know, you kind of get little tidbits here and there, so it's good to talk to people. But, my Lord, it was just – it's such a – it's such a – I don't want to say chore, but it really is to just kind of get through the people and go watch people, you know, work out and practice. So, like, I didn't see any of the benching and – uh, the bench press, and I, you know, I didn't see Joe Mixon when everybody was hooping and hollering. It's like I had to go back and watch Eddie's video to see half the stuff that happened that day. Uh, but one of the interesting things that I noticed, and I, I shouted to him, but man, Ricky DeBerry is like so tiny now. Like he was never that skinny, even when I, we met him at the five star in Chicago. Like he is gearing up to move, you know, to middle linebacker and be inside and, and really have a range of motion yeah i i you know i think people are going to hear that he's you know you say tiny he's not tiny he's no. just skinny now yeah. he's not fat anymore. no he, there's no he fat good. at all he, he's like, like you can tell like he's taking things very seriously there's, in terms of working well, out and i getting think there's shape. a very serious opportunity for him there if everything goes well in spring i think that you know i i think that he could beat out john michael uh terry i know that they're really high on him in norman but there, there's somewhere in some position Ricky DeBerry can still play. I, I think I still have hope and or belief that he can play and contribute at Oklahoma. Dan Baker Mayfield was out there. I saw Jeff. He's Mead. alive. Yeah. Even though I guess the videotape is being released today or the the dash cam video. Oh yeah, I'm sure there's some losers that can't wait to blog about that. You know who you're, you're talking about. <laughs> some people gotta make a living, Eddie. People, it's not it's not our intention to piss off our subscribers by just going full police blotter all the time. I'm just trying to say there's two sides to every story. People will click on it. And if, if people are going to that's what I tell We're to, not a click-based right. operation. That's what I tell my friends all the time. Like what is with this thing? Why is this thing here? It's cuz you you clicked on it. If you start clicking on this stuff, they're going to keep making it. So that's that's why that that's going to keep happening. And that's the other thing like complaining about that like you're just looking for clicks. Well, you clicked on it. Yeah. So don't be pissed at him because you clicked they win. on it. All right, he they got what they wanted, and you're just propagating like you're you're bitching about just looking for attention with clicks all the time. But you're the ones that are clicking on it, so it works. Ha ha. I the guess system one. People will want to see it. We, well, the, we, you get we, people that'll argue about us wanting attention, and you'll look at the thread, and it's 400 replies long. Well, you're you're kind of feeding it if that's what you think it is. I, look, we operate on, you pay us a subscription, we write stories that we think subscribers would like to write. We're not, we're not uh, set in getting attention. Like We're not trying to write incendiary things in order to get you, you know, the OU fan and the non-OU fan. and That's not what we do. That's not what we're about. But there are people out there that you know, they need eyeballs to... to Operate as a business. So I'm not begrudging those people. Eddie, you shouldn't either. Begrudge the people that click on it. That the, write those stories. Yeah. No matter doesn't. how obsessed people may seem. <laughs> may Very just, obsessed. There are some that definitely write more of those stories than others. I'll grant you that. 
It's but just those people aren't those people aren't swimming in you know gold swimming pools or anything. Well, I, I, they're basically digging ditches. I think one thing is journalistic ditches. It's it's just interesting that how 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 I guess how hard can you hammer a guy for getting drunk? That's basically my point. Well, harder. It, it, you you do it harder when they're a Heisman Trophy finalist. Yeah. If you if you don't want to get hammered that hard, don't be a Heisman Trophy finalist. It's like the Joe Mixon. Thing. Well, he didn't ask to be a Heisman Trophy. Well, then finalist. don't get drunk in Arkansas and run from the cops. He should be. This it, is part of his penalty. The, is, is going the further, through this. The further away we get from it, I think the more he should be applauded for getting drunk in Fayetteville. <laughs> that's you, though. <laughs> <laughs> then that's why we love you, Eddie. That's yep. your. That's how you he view sh- the world. He should. He should be applauded. But it's the, it's and if same. I see him in Dallas this weekend, buy him a beer. We'll go on Periscope. Nobody uses Periscope anymore. Facebook Live. Except for like NFL teams. Except for Antonio Brown. Or no, that was Facebook Live. That was Facebook it? Live, yeah. And I think Facebook Live's how Skip Bayless gets all his stuff out now because no one's watching his show. Yeah, literally yeah, nobody burn. watches that show. Skip Bayless, burn. Yeah, I had this argument the other day with somebody else, though. Everybody, like Richard Deitch and everybody, TV ratings and all those people on Twitter, they're, they're I'm not saying fascinated, but it's it's the clickbait thing. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, people are interested, people hate Rick, or Skip Bayless, they don't hate Rick Bayless, he's a fine cook. Uh, Skip <laughs> Bayless, they hate, you know, him, or they hate, you know, Stephen A. Smith, and they're fascinated with, oh, their show is tanking, and they're never... Here's the thing, like none of those shows get really good ratings. Like every one of those shows pale in comparison to what Disney Toon Adventures is playing at that time of day. Because people don't watch ESPN. It's just like the Sports Center thing. Like they don't get good ratings cuz nobody's watching sports. People that people that normally would watch sports have jobs. Yeah. They're not at home at, you know, t- 11 o'clock in the morning or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That's why that's why ESPN's having so many problems because they can only sell premium advertising when it's at night or prime time or whatever. They can't sell expensive advertising at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. If you're not getting that many eyeballs and you're not making that much money, then they should be making better television. That's my, that stuff is just Or gar- just retreading garbage. stuff. That's just garbage. Just here, you fight, you make up a position, you fight. Uh, cool. That's, that, that's the biggest nonsense ever. There's, they're never getting to the bottom of anything. That's it's just not cr- highbrow enough for Joe. Well, it's just it's silly. It's just not creating. It dropped an f bomb earlier yeah, in the show. It's just creating conflict. Why do you? It's just it's nonsense. It's not getting to the you bottom hippie. of anything. I know. I'm sorry. But why? Is, does do people like watching first take? Is yeah, that? Re- there I are think people. Some people do. And it's sad and it's pathetic. It's people that don't know anything about sports. I like. Pe- I, I watch part of the interruption. That's kind of the same kind of style. But I like part of the. But interruption at least still. It, those, those guys tend to ground their opinions in themselves. Well, Tony Kornheiser and uh, Michael Wilbon—they're actually respected, right? You know, people who are still working in the field of journalism. Skip Bayless started, you know, just sprouting things. He was born out of saying that Troy Aikman was gay. Yeah. And he realized true? how much attention. No, it's not true. No, is it true that he said that? Yeah, he yeah, wrote a book, he wrote about, a book it. about it. What? Yeah, that's where Skip Bayless, the guy that he is now, was born. And then it turned into LeBron. And then it turned into... He finds one little thing. He's, he's very much like Traber. Just like the Tiger Woods will never win another major thing. They do the same thing. Oof. And then they brag about and, being right. I mean... It's a formula. It's a formula and there's a name for him. It's called douchebag. <laughs> Both of them. All right, I want to hit a little bit more on Pro Day before we move on to recruiting... <laughs> 
or we trash I'm it. Taking us way any ally the, that we may have I'm in the, the future. De- I'm the derailer. I don't want them to be our allies. Uh, okay. Um, we'll fight both of them. Who's we? You and the... No, the, I will. The, I will. I will fight both of them. With the junior varsity wrestler uh, that you can yeah. beat up? I'll, I'll join Eddie with the other two. I'll leave the wrestler for Eddie. After the fight, come on, we all know Eddie would buy the junior varsity wrestler a beer, and they'll befriend each other, and then he'll be on Eddie's side. Hey, They'll roll together to the Speaking fight. of new friends, I want to give a quick shout-out to uh, oh, one of my new best friends. Here we go. Dane Evans oh. did a really good job at Tulsa oh, Pro right. Day today. Yes, Dane Evans. Congratulations. So, uh, congratulations, Dane. Did you I look get forward to uh No, that, they're still soft as anything, but uh, <laughs> Dane Evans, my man. Quarterback. It was Tulsa. a beautiful Tulsa football at Tulsa. Is it underscore football? Is it just Tulsa football? Uh, I think it's Tulsa. Their football. Twitter account. You can't look Tulsa it up, football. Eddie, because you're blocked. It comes up. I just can't click on it. Tulsa football. At Tulsa football. Uh, so Dane Evans, you watched like a, you heard an interview when you were you went over to Tulsa. Was that when you went over to talk to Patrick Fields? Yeah, it was before I went to talk to Patrick Fields, and then before the. Uh, where was oh yeah Norman, Trey Young the Norman, Norman North, North game, game yeah uh, and so you so, yeah. you heard an interview with him on the radio yeah and I and just, you sent a shout out saying I sent a shout out saying it was great he sounded awesome with uh, he was up with uh, Pop up in okay. on the Buzz up uh-huh. in uh, Tulsa so it was uh, it was good I'm a big fan of Dane Evans by the way the Sooner Scoop podcast is radio neutral like. All radio stations are welcome and fine on the Sooner Scoop Pod. Absolutely. Even though we all have affiliations, me specifically, I like that you guys get to go on other radio. So thank you, radio stations of Oklahoma. I hold no grudges against you. And anybody that wants to fight just can come to me. They don't have to come to you. (laughs) You know, this is a perfect time because Carrie's given me just a small window. I'd like to say that my co-publisher has brought me on fewer times than Al Eshbach. I mean, we don't have any guests other than, you know, we have we have the practice report for OU. We have the OSU practice report. We you want have, me to be a movie guy? Do I need to be has, a movie guy to get on? Is that what's happening here? Uh, our movie guy is pretty good. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he is really good. I'm not nearly that good. So, yeah. Uh, uh, I think he writes fair. for the Washington Post, too. So, uh, really? Wow. Well, I think like blogs or uh, something yeah. like that. But he gets to go to like the things where like, you know, the the. Critics Choice Awards and hobnobs with like George Clooney oh, wow. and all those people walks down the red carpet. Yeah, yeah. does all that. But I, I mean, yeah, I guess we're just gonna have to. Co- I mean, I yeah, I, yes, you I know will I'm admit, Josh, with you, you know I, no, I no, 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 you you would bring up a, a point that I'm sure you're joking about, but you know you're you're hurt, you're crying on the inside. <laughs> um, but you're right. During like, I did think several times like during during January, like maybe we should have a thing with Josh. And I will bring this up. This this will not go uh, unnoticed, Josh. <laughs> but Al loves I, having you on. I mean, Al. Do you know that's Al, the craziest thing? Signing day, I only did like four shows. Usually, like it's I have to like get people to do it like in advance because I don't have enough time to do the work for the side I need to do and all the radio stuff. But OU was so far done that like there was very little interest in talking to Josh McQuish on signing day. It was a really boring signing day for me. Yeah. Well, the other thing is I'm just trying to keep you from living that thug life that I live where <laughs> radio eventually seeps into your Sooner Scoop work. We already have one derelict in myself. <laughs> we don't need another. You, We make sure that you are taken care of. Like you're you, the golden child. Like people don't realize Josh is the golden child. Like when it comes to payday, when it comes to 
you know, time off when you want to you take your luxury vacations and <laughs> the rest of us, you know, we we we're here to serve you and to make your life easier. It's like, you know, it's kind of like Google. It's like we give you arcade games and you know, nap rooms and things like that. <laughs> My, you know, I, I guess we should just go with this legend that Josh takes these great vacations. Like my best vacation was to Mexico that I used my points on Southwest that I'd largely accumulated from work to go to Mexico for like four <laughs> days last year. That, that was my big. And then the other was a road trip with my in-laws to Pensacola, Florida. That, that was the other with a two year old. Your in-laws drink though. So that's. That's not my in-laws trip. will party. There is no question about it. If you so, have in-laws that drink, those family vacations will, are never terrible. True, true. And my in-laws pick up the tab on a lot of stuff, so that's that's the good. That's the other good in that front. So that's uh, makes it easy to hang out with them. That is a hundred percent factual, Eddie. That Joe, you are absolutely right. Joe, you don't like your in-laws. They don't drink, do they? My in-laws don't like me. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Fair enough. And do they drink? Uh, no, not really. See, bad in-laws. Eddie, take uh, note. Yeah, I was going to sure say, I don't have any in-laws. When you meet Mrs. She's not Mrs. Wright until her parents are, are borderline alcoholic. That's One of my best friends, both his parents and her parents are incredibly close. Like, they have vacations together. And I, I've never heard of that. Like, it's the damnedest thing ever. Like... My that parents really and weird, Tiffany's yeah. parents, they're okay. They get along you fine. You just want to get along. You don't you want to be cordial. You want to be able to be in the same room spend and Christmas, not want to scratch your eyes out. Yeah. Spend a Thanksgiving. Yep. I, I always say I go with the Lieutenant Dan method when I'm over at the in laws. Yeah. <laughs> get down. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I just keep my head down and I want to get out of there without anything going bad. Well, you are long-haired. All we need to do is do you know, hate, have you to be handicapped and drunk. Do they hate your hair? <laughs> Two-thirds of the way there. Do they hate your hair? Uh, n- I don't think. If they do, they don't, talk, they don't talk about it. They're one of those people that they'll, they'll hate me when I'm not around, but when I'm there, they'll just... I'm really oh, shocked that we got this deep into the Joe Duvall yeah, in-law <laughs> situation. No, I'm, I'm surprised that you want to talk about it. Like, you know, I told, someone gonna, they know will probably listen to this and then go tell them and make your relationship even more awkward now. Uh, maybe. I don't know. They, they, it can't get much more awkward than it is right now. Oof. I'll put it that way. That's probably not even true. It's, it's at the point where it was awkward, and now we're at the point where we're just going to pretend like we for, we're going to forget how awkward it was at one point. Beautiful. Joe, does, does the missus listen to the podcast? Okay, if she did, is she going to have grievance with this? No. Okay. She wouldn't. So, so some wives can handle that, and some are like, we're not airing that we don't. stuff. So I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how to fake it. We're talking about it. I'm telling you how it went. <laughs> <laughs> I'm for it. I got being you. real. Yeah, I get in real. trouble all the time. Tiffany yeah. listens to the podcast. My, my, I get in a lot of trouble. My friends listen to the podcast, <laughs> and they'll, they'll be probably cheering as they listen. So. I, by the way, I like Tiffany, just since she's a listener. I, I think you got a good one there, Josh. She might hate me. I don't know. She does not. She likes you and Eddie. Every time <laughs> we go to San Antonio, uh-huh. well, she's never met Joe. I didn't. I didn't mean that as like uh, that for those not listening. <laughs> Tiffany and Joe have not met. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> that's sure. so bad. I know. No, I heard that. Now, uh, Joe, everyone she, hates you. I don't know why that uh, is. I heard that. There, you know, 
there have been previous uh, co-workers that maybe she wasn't as crazy about, but you two, and I'm, she likes what she knows of Joe. She thinks Joe's funny on the radio when she listens, but I've never heard anything more than that. So, But, of course, most of her laughs and gasp are, are safe for Eddie. She's, she, I think Tiffany might have just the smallest of sweet spot for Eddie. So. Yes. Yeah. There, yeah, buddy. Congratulations. You're in the friend zone. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie dwarfs us all, by the way. You speak of Josh as the golden cow, which he really is. But everywhere I go, it's, it's Eddie. It's Eddie. What's Eddie doing? Is Eddie here? I start selling like T-shirts and Eddie's we, armor. You are, like a, you are like a living caricature. I'll take Literally it. one of my best friends listens and he'll like he comments when Eddie says something funny. Like he'll tell me about how funny that was. And, like this is a guy I've known since seventh grade. It's a good man. By the good way, man, uh, if we want he's to, he's also a Cubs fan, Eddie. Yeah, see, there you go. It's good people. Uh, Surround if, yourself. If we wanted to get back on track here, real quick, and <laughs> talk about, uh, I wanted to hit on a couple more things on Pro Day. If we could give a yearly award for most aware, we should, you know, a, a player that maybe was most aware of his status heading into OU's Pro Day. We can now call that award the Stan Von Taylor Award. Because he did not compete in pro day, I didn't even like think about it. But yeah, that's true. And I'd I'd I'd, I'd like to talk to him about that. The, like the anti Chica Madu award. Did he just? Oh, yeah. I think it'd be more like the anti Brett Bowers award. The Brett Bowers award would be the award for for person that needs to give it up. Because like Casey Walker at least has played in the league. Yeah, that was more of just uh, yeah. hey, I can I have a chance to get some. Scouts get their eyes on me. I'm going to go to up there. And like Dominic Whaley coming back, not nearly as embarrassing as as Brett Bowers coming back. No. And wait, I think Whaley's 40 time was fairly respectable, somewhere around 4-6. I mean, I, by the way, speaking of Whaley real quick, I saw him and watched him run that 4-6, and it made me think about what his career could have been if not for that injury at K-State. broke an ankle. Because he could fly. That, that run he had against Texas, he could move. And, and, and being able to still run a 4-6 after not playing football. Let me stop injury, you, Joe. It would have been short. But it, it would have been he something. He was still a walk-on that you know for a reason. I think he cashes a check. He was two. the best. No, he was the best running back Oklahoma at that time. But that was the worst that running back position has been since Kewan Jones was a yeah. starter. Wasn't, I, did, wasn't he there when Finch was there? Finch and Clay? Yeah, he started over well, those guys. And well, they had been they? true freshmen, I think, that year. Yeah, I think Finch Finch broke his leg. I think before in right. in either spring or fall camp, uh, his freshman year, and then yeah, Brennan Clay was just he was okay. But I mean, what what, what kind of career did Brennan Clay? Both have? those guys were rivals, one hundred running backs. I I don't know. I I just thought it was Dominique Whaley out there running a four six. Still impressed. Maybe think that he was a guy that could play running back back in the day. I, I think people forget how good he was before that injury because because he, he did come out. of He nowhere. was okay even before that injury. I, he was I okay. think he's a cup of coffee guy. I mean, he gets a shot. Yeah. I don't think he probably does anything, but I bet he would have he would have gotten invited to a roster for sure. Yeah, yeah he was never going to be a pension guy. I mean, he was never going to get his three yeah. years in the league. And speaking yeah. of like the forty, I, I can almost understand why Chica Madu. If you're there, run the forty. Fine. But why on earth do the bench press? If you do the 40, you might get a gust from God and pull off a 4-4 that's miraculous. You don't know. But if, if the bench press, why on earth put yourself through that? I, I, what do you, I think he put up six, six or seven. I don't, you can choose which ones you want to do. Samaj P. Ryan just did one event. 
Yeah, Samaje also went to the combine though and, and did everything there. Everything. Yeah, I know. He just wanted to improve his forty time, which I you know I think out of everything and we haven't talked about is Samaje Piride because to me he is he's going to go down in history as one of the best backs to ever play at Oklahoma. Now that doesn't necessarily mean he'll have a great NFL career, but judging by the company that he's in, if he stays healthy, he should have an NFL career of some note. Yeah, I I definitely think that he's going to, I mean, obviously he's going to get drafted. I think that it's just going to depend on where he goes and what kind of situation he goes goes to. I think that he can he could be a perfect guy that you get that second and third down reps. And, I mean, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't ever see him being the go-to guy in an offense, but I think he could have a, a seven, eight-year career and have a really, really nice, nice, uh, I guess, longevity. In you know the, where in he would be? He would be surprising to me. Like, look at like, oh hell! I mean, New could, England. He could he would be something I think in New England. But like, look at Atlanta. Be, look what, at Atlanta yeah. that has like a two running back system. It doesn't really have a star. But if he got into one of those systems where you know you were one of two, you know, a one of a two headed monster at running back and didn't really have a star that was going to take most of the reps. I think he could be really successful in that role. What in the about NFL. he could go to Denver? I mean, they just have Devontae Booker from last year. Booker's more of a speed guy. He he could go someplace like that and do okay. I could see the Cowboys taking a chance on him in like the fifth round. Put yeah. him with Ezekiel Elliott. That yeah. wouldn't be bad. It's a whole new NFL. There's there's I don't know. Are there any Adrian Petersons out there left? Just one guy. I mean, carrying the whole load. I mean, I th- I think uh, when I think of Samaj, I think of almost like a. A big Maurice Jones-Drew kind of type. They, when Maurice Jones-Drew came up, he even was splitting carries with Fred Taylor. Something like that yeah. for Samaje in, in some sort of role where he can pair with someone like that. I, I, to me, I think he has a long NFL career, but I'm, I'm, I'm with Eddie that it's he might not be the guy If he anywhere. stays healthy. Yeah, he needs to yeah. stay healthy. Then that's something that he really wasn't able to... I mean, it's odd to say that he wasn't able to do it at Oklahoma, and he ends his career as the all-time leading rusher. I mean, that's how good he was. But I think guys, I think early. guys like Geno Lewis, Austin Roberts, Jordan Wade, those are guys that are probably going to get free agent contracts out. I can't really see that for, you know, a Dakota Austin, Jarvis Baxter, Daniel Brooks, uh, those guys. I and I, I was, I mean, Jordan Wade, I thought did some really good things. I was actually, reps. I was, yeah, that was impressive. I was standing there right next to Jordan Wade, and he was leaving. And I think it was like Charles Tapper and, and a couple of other, maybe it was like Austin Roberts, and they were like, hey, Jordan, don't you want to stay and talk to GMs? And, and Jordan just looked at him and he goes, why? He's like, I got an agent. And then he just walked out, which I think all the GMs had talked. He said he talked to everybody he needed to talk to already. But like he's just a guy. I'm not saying he doesn't care, but he just has a funny personality to me. It's I, I think Jordan Wade could make some noise. I don't know if he can be a long guy in the league, but I think he can make some plays and, and get onto He's a almost team. like that guy from like North Carolina North Carolina A and T that somebody might take a chance on and end yeah. up just being a starter in the league somewhere. I mean, if you just look at the tape, I mean he basically played almost every down two years ago and then he had a really good game. Uh not a really good game, but he had a good game this or a good season this past year. And you know, when when a guy like when a guy like Stacy McGee is signing twenty five million dollar contracts in the league, I feel like a guy like Jordan Wade can play in the league. Absolutely. Stacey McGee's really good. Is that man. a shot at Stacey McGee? Jordan Phillips really shot? good. I mean, Stacey yeah. McGee's really good. I mean, I mean, he he had a really good. He's had a really good career. He's been in Oakland for four years and signs with uh, 
who did he sign with yesterday? Redskins. Yeah. Redskins. Redskins. Redskins yeah. Twenty five mil. Stacy didn't. Josh didn't he kind of think been a good like, off season for OU. Yeah. Players. Oh, it's like, been huge. Yeah, they made Kenny some money. Stills, Tony Jefferson, Jordan, uh, um, Stacy McGee, and Kenny Stills think, is the highest drafted guy out of that bunch. And he was what the sixth. OU round? is going to have a, a a lot more flyers to send out to recruits mm-hmm. coming up more than just the Trent Williams, Adrian Peterson. Those guys, I have a feeling those are going to be all over the summer. Now that Lane Johnson's passed his thing, hopefully. I didn't see. Did he get – has he redone his deal because of that yet? Or I haven't seen anything about that. As long that. as they don't cut him, I guess they just – it just goes on. Because he came back and played the, yeah. the last game of the season. Yeah. yeah they, so they, weird. They play him every chance they get when he's not suspended, which makes you think that they, they like him. But Tackles are so getting so hard in this league, in, in the NFL. While I we're – while we're talking about defensive tackles, Kerry, we have to talk about your uh, your conversation with one Charles Walker. Okay, yeah. Um, I There's nothing, and I'm going to write this story this weekend, but there's nothing that he told me. If you are angry at Charles Walker, there's nothing that he told me that's going to make you less angry. Uh, there's, there's, there's some things... He said that we're kind of head scratchers to me. He he still firmly believes that he's doing the right thing. Uh, to me, he's coming off as a, a little bit of a victim in that he's trying to use the excuse that he played one season, you know, hurt with that bad wrist as an excuse to say, this is why I deserve to be able to hang it up now. Trying to kind of deflect the fact that he has serious concussion issues. Um, but I don't think there's any question. He has some some serious issues, like concussion-related, that I think are going to keep teams from wanting anything to do with him. I, I just don't... I, I guess, is he in denial of the fact that he's a defensive lineman that uses his head probably... 95% of the time when he comes off the ball? To a great degree, yes. I mean, I, I just don't understand where this this point is in his life that he's just like, it's like, I don't know, it's like a uh, it's like a golfer almost saying, yeah, I have a terrible back, but I plan on playing a lot of golf here in the next summer. It was interesting because I was talking to him at one point, and he, I didn't bring it up. He brought up the Mike Stoops thing, calling him a quitter. Uh, and he's still obviously very bothered by that. And he has had, I think, a number of people that he has looked to to support him and tell him everything he's doing right uh, is right. And I think he knows that there is a segment, even the fans, Mike Stoops, that believe uh, him to be a quitter. And he continued to say that people just don't understand and that he, because he's doing this for his family, it doesn't matter what other people think. And it's it was it was very it was it was circuitous. It just kept going in the same direction. It was like I could never nail him down on really anything specific. He did at one point tell me uh, he, he started going into you know having hallucinations after that TCU game. Uh, and he even mentioned that they brought in a priest at one point or a pastor. I can't remember exactly which one he said, but basically like someone to chase the demons away. Um, that is some wild shit. Like, and, I mean, I, I'd heard that stuff. And 
back in the day, I didn't ever say anything, but you know, he he started talking about that stuff when we talked after pro day the other day. Like I I would hope that he's not meeting with teams and I mean, do you tell teams this kind of stuff and or do teams just like, yeah, that's normal? I think Eddie, that's the problem. I think he I think the demon stuff really happened from what I've heard that or that that's what he said happened. Basically, and how, but how do you how do you how do you move on? From, how do you tell teams? I mean, I, I under- he had I mean, essentially he had neurologic neurological disorders mm-hmm. from playing football and head head trauma. And he's now trying to sell teams on the fact that that trauma has cleared itself up. Yep. The question is, do teams believe that? And are they willing to take a chance on someone that has had that? Because they're going to talk to their doctors and they're probably going to say, look, if he's had these symptoms and this has happened to him, then are we, are we going to be liable for like a junior Seau situation mm-hmm. from his family if one day... It continue, you know, he has another concussion. This stuff comes back. And how do you flip that around and say, I've done enough on the field to take this chance on me? Yeah, like, that's the other thing. I don't think that he, he has. That's the hard part about this whole thing is how do you, if you leave football, if you retire, say, I can't add these many hits because uh, I'm, I'm seeing things. My, my, I'm having head trauma. I, I can't keep doing this. That's a very understandable thing for, for people. Like, okay, yeah, I mean, you don't want to keep get, putting yourself through that kind of trauma if you're having hallucinations, if you're having some sort of mental uh, trouble. But, but what's then hard is to say, all right, then to sell yourself to the NFL. Yeah, it's, it's, that is a tough transition for Charles Walker to make. And I, I don't know how, if anybody can do it. And someone who's going through that, I don't know how they can do it. That's, that's just got to be a tough way to sell yourself coming off of that stuff. And, and, also, I, I think it also points out why I, I, I always got where Mike Stoops was coming from, but why calling him a quitter was always the wrong word. It was always the wrong word to use because it's going to stick. It's just going to linger. I don't. Mike Stoops would never think about whether he's saying the right or the wrong. Uh, and he doesn't have to. I, I don't think he has to, but I, I, I still think that that's maybe he can he can learn from that in the future. He, he can think that, but I, that call, Mike can learn from that. Yeah, I think no so. No chance. He could. You don't. Think, <laughs> no are, you, are you saying he? Are you saying that there's not an opportunity to learn, or that he just won't learn from that? That's like telling Joe Pesci you can't stab people in the neck with a pen. <laughs> I like Mike Stoops and Joe Pesci. I like that kind of. They're imagery. very. They're very. That's it. I have literally had that moment where Mike Stoops has pulled the "so I'm a clown, so I amuse you" thing on me, <laughs> and he was screwing with me dance i would i would love to see more mike <laughs> he hasn't stoops. shot me in the foot yeah I, am, I haven't been spider yet i would love to see some mike stoops joe pesci impressions next time we talk to him you can do that yeah feel free to ask yeah him. yeah do you think you i'll should? make sure the camera's recording no i'm not saying he's done impressions i'm saying mike stoops is joe oh, pesci he is in goodfellas i think say joe mike feels like the kind of guy that wouldn't even know the reference like he <laughs> he's such a football guy he'd be like what are you talking about he would just he so he's just is Joe Pesci. Yes. A hundred percent that's who he is. Except he doesn't kill people. That, that, we I, know of. that I know of. Did you know that, <laughs> did you know that uh, Joe Pesci Gary Simon did leave Norman pretty quickly. <laughs> no has anyone heard of nobody, Gary Simon? Yeah, nobody that has not name. been heard from. Mm-hmm. Does anybody know where uh, Cortez Johnson's doing these days? Oh man. That's been a while since I've seen Chijoke. We did see Hitari Bird though, so that's a good sign. Oh god. Hitari Bird we don't know where LJ Moore is, but Atari Bird was around. 
All and Tory right. Bird working at linebacker. What a shocker. Yeah, he if he would have made that move like three years ago, mm-hmm. maybe he'd still be here. Or he'd be leaving a senior that had played a lot. Yeah, leaving in red and white. Although, you know what? What's bizarre, about of- Hata- what's bizarre about Hatari is he might have been too stiff to be a linebacker. Yeah. He's just uh, all muscle. I should say, I mean, I remember interviewing him at that very first five-star challenge in Atlanta, the one yeah. we were talking about with Stan Vaughn was at. And he was so physically developed, so much beyond all the other kids there. It was it was pretty unreal. Kind of the same at the pro day. I mean, he he might have been the most yoked guy there, and he didn't play football a year ago. Somebody literally did say, oh, what could have been, and I just rolled my eyes. Like, he's always looked like that. It's like his physique was never his problem. It was his agility. Same was, with Cortez Johnson, right? Cortez Johnson was pretty yoked. I say that was his up in his head more than his ability. Because if you're a corner and you can't get down, get it down, that's like the simplest position. Yeah. You're big and you're tall and you have athletic ability and you can't excel. You're not smart. So. I'm trying to think of a better example of a guy like that, you know, if somebody that doesn't know football, they'd look at a guy and be like, oh, that's a football player. That's what it looks like. And can't actually play the game very well. Like, I'm trying to think of a better example through OU over the last few years than Hatari Bird. Like, just kind of a physically impressive dude it's a, that, it's that a, doesn't it's, have it. Yeah, it is It is a rarefied air that he's in because you have some guys like Ronnell Lewis that have the same issues, but they're yep. just that much better athletically they can overcome that Does stuff. Does Dewan Miller count in that category? He could be in that conversation. Yeah, I just never thought he was... His yeah, I mean he's a I mean a receiver has to be able to catch a football. I mean that's his big, that was always Dewan Miller's biggest problem. And he wasn't he was stiff. He wasn't a great route runner. And for those listening, the recruiting fans out there, this is the same question you're having about C.J. Moore that I get asked all the time. People have issues with his hands. That that's why Oklahoma is not involved with the Rivals 100 guy within their own state. They they don't think he can catch the ball. I was standing. Right, I, I talked to Stephen Parker's dad for a while, and that's the first thing he asked me: "Is why oh you hadn't offered C.J. Moore?" Yep, C.J. Moore is. I mean, he's six three and he can really run. There's a whole lot to like, and it's not that he can't catch; he just has a lot of drops, and it's concerning. And when you look at the guys that Dennis Simmons and Kale Gundy have gone after, if there's if there's anything you can say for him, those guys are sure-handed. Well, I know you has no problem recruiting any yeah, receiver they don't that they take want that right risk. now. Exactly, you're dead on. All right, well let's let's move to recruiting a little bit because uh, the 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 Nike Rivals camp uh, was this past weekend. Uh, Josh, you were out there. I know a lot of Oklahoma kids. Uh, uh, I know the scoop today. You were hoping to release uh, some information about a new offer that came out last night for the OL MVP of that camp. Uh, but just kind of go over your, your impressions and maybe have some of the guys uh, hit you up with some of their questions as well on what you saw. Yeah, uh, Bryce Bray is the guy you're talking about. Obviously, Oklahoma offered him last night. Um, the offensive lineman from Bixby, a guy that you know came on the radar for us at the same time as Bray Walker. He was a freshman at the same Mustang team camp when we first saw Bray, 
and I know that's going to get confusing, Bryce Bray and Bray Walker, but we'll, we'll do the best we can. Uh, but he, he is a guy that I, I always had a little bit of a question of where he was going to play. He was more suited to guard in the way he plays, but he, didn't, he really kind of had a tackles frame because he was kind of long and lean. Well, he started to fill out, came in at 309 at the camp, so I mean right where you need him to be as a guard, and he was – Friggin' dominant. I mean, he killed everybody, won O-line MVP, went against some really good players, guys with OSU offers, K-State offers. Uh, you go down the list, and I thought, really, I expected him to be really technically sound, but I thought he moved his feet better than I anticipated. So he's he's a big-time guy that came out of that camp. I think Oklahoma's in a great spot for him. Um, I. You know, Bray Walker, to just kind of touch on him briefly, the OU commitment, he got an, an invite to the opening, which is really the the point of these camps. That's what these kids are working for. So he was really dominant. Um, it was a, a, my first chance to see R.J. Henderson, OU's 2019 wide receiver commitment. A little bit more of a slot than I had thought he might be. I thought he was going to kind of be a an outside guy. And in an OU's offense where they'll use Sterling Shepard or D.D. Westbrook, on the outside, he's big enough to fill that role. He's taller than Sterling was, but he he's more of a six foot, hundred eighty pound kid than maybe the six foot one plus that I had come in expecting. So he he's um, just getting a better picture of him. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can go down the list. There were a ton of guys. It was really good on the offensive line. I didn't see a lot of defensive line talent. It kind of shows out. When you look at Oklahoma's offer list, there's not a lot from Texas, not a lot from Louisiana, Oklahoma. Uh, oh, uh, speaking of Oklahoma, Ron Tatum was absolutely outstanding at the camp as well. I thought he kind of got a raw deal to not be one of the the final five guys in the O line D line stuff. Speaking of Oklahoma, Josh, I, it, it just to continue on that, it feels like the state really did well there, and this is a really good year. Uh, in the state of Oklahoma, and I mean, and also in 2019, because you had Dax Hill down there, who it looks like did really well. Uh, can you talk about like Dax Hill, Jalen Redmond, even Wayne Jones? Did it feel like there was a, a big Oklahoma presence there? That this, that, that the talent in Oklahoma is starting to get a little more respect. I, I really think it is. I mean, Dax Hill, for those that don't know, went and ran a four four six electric, came in at about six foot, right around one eighty two, one eighty five. Um, is a Guy, the thing, and Eddie and I have talked about this before when we went up to Booker T to see him last spring. The thing that sticks out to you when you watch Daxton Hill, his arms, he, yeah. like, I bet his wingspan is six foot seven. He has tremendously long arms. And when you watch him, he just gets into one passing lane after another. There's a great highlight going around on Twitter, and I'd give the, whoever shot it credit if I knew. But it's just him closing on a ball that looked like an easy go-route win for a receiver in some of the past scale stuff they were doing. And he comes out of nowhere to deflect the ball. And that, that's just what you're talking about with a guy that has great speed, great you know, just great explosive ability. Uh, and, you, I mean, you talked about it. I think Oklahoma kids are getting better and better at these camps because there's more of them. They get practice. People think – if you're a good football player, you just go to a camp and dominate. And sometimes it works that way. But the guys who have familiarity with training-type workouts, camp workouts, they do better because they know what to expect. It's, it's just it's, it's calming for them. They don't have to think about things. They're not trying to figure out what they're going to do while trying to you know play really well against another great player. So I, I think that just helps these things. And Jalen Redmond – 
he showed you a lot of ability. Came in just under 6'3", about 228. I think he's a really natural fit for what OU's doing up front with, the, you know, kind of moving back and forth between a 4-3 and a 3-4. So there, there is a lot of talent. And as good as 2018 starting to look, especially at the top, I think 2018's really solid. The depth is a little bit questionable. 2019 looks like it may be really, really good. Josh, at, at, at that uh, same event, Oklahoma got a commitment from Patrick Fields, another Oklahoma guy from Tulsa Union. And it's looking like uh, – you know, Kerry's kind of talked about this a little bit, is that the, the DB recruiting starting to shape up where Oklahoma might look like their safety class. They can maybe get three safeties here um, with Patrick Fields um, and Jones and then Proctor. I, how do you see this kind of safety class pairing out, and what do you think of Fields? I, I think, you know, I think you're dead on. I, and I think we touched, talked a little bit about it in the scoop, and I think there's been this impression that maybe Patrick Fields is going to have a negative impact on Josh Proctor from Owasso those guys went through every drill were hanging out together after the uh, event together I mean they they were side by side locked at the hip from beginning to end and if I'm guessing I think that's Patrick Fields's work and he's now trying to bring Josh Proctor with him he he strikes me as a kid a lot like Justin Broyles he's going to dive right into recruiting going to try to bring guys with him playing at a place like Union and having kind of that street cred that comes with that He's going to be able to get attention from a lot of different guys. He's going to know a lot of players. So I, I think uh, that's going to be a, a, a very good role for him to take on as one of Oklahoma's lead recruiters. But I like Fields. I think he's one of these guys that people watch on tape, and, and he's not he's not six foot two and going to crush you every time you come across the middle. Kind of the opposite he's of what not, we were talking about earlier. What's that? He's kind of the opposite of what we were talking about earlier. He, he, he's someone who we were talking about guys that were who looked the part but didn't yes. play. He's someone who who doesn't quite look the part, but man, he's got he's got it up. He's got the head game and he's got everything else. You're, you're right. I mean, he he. I like Patrick. He's one of those guys. The more I watch on tape, the more I tend to like him. Um, you see him recognizing plays, reading things very quickly. He reacts to the ball and coverage very naturally. But the thing that I like best about him is a lot of times you'll see safeties. When they're in a zone concept and then, uh, you know, a receiver will come by deep and it becomes their responsibility, well, they immediately, you know, you call it zone. They're in a man-to-man situation then when the ball goes in the air. That, that's just the way that is. And I feel like Patrick Fields, more than a lot of safeties, he doesn't panic when the ball's in the air. He doesn't get too handsy with the receiver where he's going to get a call against him. He's very natural, just kind of lets the play come to him, deflects it, puts it down, and then moves on about his business. So, I mean, he's he's very comfortable in a covered situation for a guy that I think is um, very adept playing run. But like I said, I, I think he's a very multifaceted safety and could be a good one for OU. Yeah, to your point, I remember the Norman North Tulsa Union game in the regular season where I saw him play. He had an interception in that game where uh, Norman North, I think, was doing something. They were doing trips to the right, and they, they kind of stacked them, and they were trying to uh, uh, muddy it up there, and, and they ended up having a guy run a wheel route out of that. And you could see Patrick, he never panics. When he sees the formation, he kind of sits back, waits the wheel route come to him, and he, he's basically staring the quarterback down as he throws the interception to him. He's just someone who, who – I remember talking to Will Johnson about this before. Will Johnson used to say, if you watch the film enough – 
it, it almost it's almost too easy. If you watch guys the offensive film enough, you can really start to see what the play is going to be, what it, what what what's going to happen here, what their tendencies are. And Patrick feels like a guy who who really studies that part of the game and just feels comfortable about what's going to come next to him. Uh, and it's almost like that chess game. He's he's good at that part of it. And also to your point, talking to him, people like Patrick a lot. Uh, the Justin Broyles thing I thought was good. He, he's not maybe not as magnanimous as Justin is. But he's someone that guys just like. I remember after that North game, he came up to me and said, man, Charlie Kolar, he can play. He can catch. And he respects guys on the other side. And I think he's someone that, that you really are, are going to be happy to have in your class if you're an OU fan. Like you said with Justin Broyles, there's a there's – a, and you posted a video of this. There's a mentality building among these, these OU commitments. And tell me if I'm wrong of – of a more of a, uh, there's a more tight knit group. It's not so much. All right, there's a commitment over there. There's a commitment over there. They're all in this to kind of together. Um, I, I think that's something that Bob Stoops also talked about uh, on signing day. How he talked about that 17 class really built their own identity. And and do you feel that starting to happen here in 2018 as well? To some degree, um, it, it's a little more difficult when you know you got Cam Rising in California, you got Bray in Oklahoma, you know Jordan Austin is is in Texas and really hasn't been that vocal and involved. So I mean, they they I think Pat's the kind of guy that can start to bring that together because I mean Bray Walker is not the kind of dude that's going to go hit people up and be recruiting all the time. That's just not his style. Cam will do it some, kind of like Chris Robinson. Like he'll be involved and he'll certainly pitch in and do some work. But I think he's he's not one of those guys that's naturally his first thought is, I want to go win a national championship and I've got to go get all the guys to do it. Like that that's not the I mean, and people are going to take that as oh he doesn't care about that. That's not what I'm saying. He's a high school kid and that's not his only thought in life. Some kids just aren't wired like that. And I, I think a good example of a kid that is wired like that, Robert Barnes was at the Nike opening talking to people, like hanging out in his OU gear, just out there kind of seeing what was going on. Now, I'm not saying he's out there recruiting, but he was present. You know, he, he, he was there. I think that's just Robert's style, and it's one of these things that some kids have and some kids don't. And Pat's one of those kids that I think has that. I think he will go and work on kids, talk to people, but at the same time is savvy enough not to just hound people. Like people think that, oh, just calling kids all the time and doing all that stuff, you, you'll it'll work against you. There, there's a fine line from I'm trying to help my school to you're bugging this kid. Robert Barnes sounds like he will take over for me as the the co uh, co co publisher of SoonerScoop.com. It'll be Eddie Radosevich and Robert Barnes running Sooner Scoop when Josh and I retire. <laughs> he, well, take a look at his resume. I don't know about that. <laughs> Do, do we really think Eddie's going to share power? Eddie, when we're in the retirement home, Eddie's going to be total authoritarian. I would, Eddie, Eddie would, oh, you would be such a dictator, wouldn't yeah, you? It'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be awesome. You're, you're crazy. Eddie, Eddie would send people to Tulsa to get video of a kid that he has no interest in in putting on rivals just so he could get Coney Islander. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, and after his employees Gaddafi him, Joe's going to bring in a, a reign of peace and love and just in hippieism. See, this is where Eddie and I are different. I, I've said my entire life I've been into politics and history and stuff, but I've always wanted to be a vice president. That seems like the role for me. I don't want to be the president. I don't want to be in charge of everything. Vice president seems like a nice wheelhouse for me. You come, no, but Eddie will make you do all the work. Yeah, as vice president. Yeah, 
I don't know. I, I think Eddie's got one of those switches he can't turn off even if he wants to. You are. You really are. Like, I can't believe. Like, you're going to Dallas this weekend just to have fun. Mm-hmm. That's true. That happens with you. Yeah, it's going to get real. Is weird there a this kid weekend. that needs to, like, it's gonna get real are weird. you are you videotaping a kid while you're down there or something? No, no, just going down, hanging out with some buddies, going to Greenville. So if you're down in Greenville, come oh, on. it's going to get weird. Where are you guys going to be hanging out? Uh, I don't know. Probably some house party. They do a big thing for uh, St. Patrick's Day. So if the cops tell you to stay where you are, do not run. Because Baker Mayfield can't get away. You can't get away. I'll just talk my way out of it. Cops give me rides. I don't need the cops. They give me rides places. <laughs> what does that cops, mean? Cops, hashtag cops or Eddie's Uber. I, I, I have been, I've drove, or I've uh, sat front row in a cop car leaving Campus Corner and they drove me home. Fact. Did you know the cop? Uh, no, but he knew the guys I was with. Oh, so okay. It helped. Is he a former Fiji? Uh, no. He, I think he just appreciated the work that the guys did that I was with. Do you get like, do, do the Fijis like invite you to come and like speak to their youngsters or anything? No. Like, are you like I, celebrity I did, that way yet? I did my like two years after I graduated. I went back and, uh, or actually I might've been a fifth year. I went back and gave like a rush speech, uh-huh. took my shirt off and everything. It was good. <laughs> People still come up to me to, like to this day. Like I was going through rush and 20, whatever it was. And you, you were the one that made me yeah. pick Fiji. Yeah. In fact, I ran into a couple guys that uh, on Bourbon Street. Maybe someday you will be able to go back and give like PC North a, a pregame pep talk. I'm going to be the head coach. So, yeah, I'll have to. What experience do you have to be the head coach at Putnam City North? Uh, I played with Heisman Trophy winner. (laughs) (laughs) Hired. Played a state championship game. Uh, we had semis. 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 Keep. I always want to put you with Warren. I always want to do that. And I don't that know old. why. Not that old. They. Uh, yeah, I mean, Sam's junior year was his best. Your senior yeah. year. So. It, they, oh. We had some good then players. That offensive line completely fell apart. Thought you guys had him that year, Eddie. Does you thought cream you, on that team? Thought you had yeah. him. Deji was in my grade. I played eighth grade ball with him too. They were. Uh, we kicked a field goal with like a minute thirty-two left. They went down. That was it. In fact, I think Josh and I. That was that was like we were the two people that were always trumpeting Sam's horn. Is because he was such a different quarterback as a senior because he was just running for his life. Yeah, he was getting killed. We had a member that quoted his touchdown and interceptions his senior year, and told me like, I mean, this guy, and I didn't know it until after the fact. I went to high school with this guy. He was a couple years ahead of me. And he went on the board and just burned me down for thinking that Sam would be a starter. And I was like, and I, I don't want anybody here this to misunderstand. I did not foresee what Sam Bradford would become. But I, no, I said, I think, I think he'll be a multi-year starter at OU. That was as far as I went with it. And this guy was like, you're an idiot. You need to quit your job. Like, you don't even know what you're looking at. Look at his numbers. And I'm like, guys, I've watched his games. That dude is trying not to die every Friday night. No, he was, I mean, even, I remember his junior year when he would just be able to stay back in the pocket and throw it, even as skinny as he was, he had a cannon. I mean, it was unbelievable. Who, that, that, at, when, at the end of his recruitment, who was in on him outside of OU? Michigan, Texas Tech. Is yep. that, that was it? Yep. 
And Michigan was not, I mean, you got to realize, Michigan, they weren't all that great then. No, that was and like... Texas Tech... I mean, they were just that was a Texas Tech evaluation right there. I mean, that I'd say he would have done well. He would have been great in Texas Tech system. But I remember talking to um, uh, Bob Wilson, Norse head coach at the time, and he was talking about this like his coaches were coming through that winter to come see Sam and have a look at him. Like one coach would come in and be like, you know, and it would be, you know, let's say UCO. Like Texas Tech should be all over that kid. Well, the next day Texas Tech would come in. And be like, well, you know, Michigan should be all over him. And then Michigan would come in, and they, you know, and they were involved. And, and Michigan comes in, and like, oh, they're like, oh, you should be all over this kid. And it just kind of grew and grew. And like, he just, I mean, Sam could have had more offers than he did. He just never really pursued it because once OU was in, I mean, Eddie could speak to it better than I could. But I, I think this decision was pretty much made at that point. Yeah, I think once OU offered, it was over. It was. Completely over. He wasn't. Yeah. There was only one school. I actually came down here on a visit with him. Did you? Yeah. Just unofficial? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was unofficial. It was against Nebraska, and Bill Callahan kicked a field goal to cover. 30-3 to three or whatever. So that was his junior year? Uh, Yes. Because you would have been a freshman. Yeah. 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 That was what? Oh, that was, it would have been my ju- senior year, his oh, junior five? year. Yeah, oh, 05. Yeah, yeah. 2005. It, yeah, yo, wait. Oh, you were a year behind him, Eddie? Yeah. I always have it in my head you were a year ahead of him. No, okay, I was a I year older now. than him. Okay, okay. He robbed the so, cradle. Yeah. they. Uh, one of my uh, all-time claims to fame will be, uh, well, not fame, but uh, this kid from Cooper, he's not coming in and starting at North. And sure enough, he did. Sam Bradford. Because I went to Hefner. <laughs> It's like, what the Cooper? Middle school talk. <laughs> See, Ed, Eddie knows that I know what he's talking yeah. about. I know, he's, <laughs> yeah, I, know, I can the drive to Cooper it. right now. So, All right, so uh, Rivals Camp's getting ready to start. Uh, New Orleans coming up this weekend, but uh, I know we will be at the Dallas and the uh, St. Louis camps, which uh, I have no idea what dates those are right now. April 2nd for Dallas and... Um, I think a short time after that for St. Louis, if I remember right, eight or ninth, maybe the next weekend. Like April twenty third, okay. something like that. Hang on, I've got it here. Uh, May twenty first to St. Louis. Boom. April and then May, so two different months. Yep, almost two months apart. But yeah, I, I will be at New Orleans. Um, oh, I'm gonna go going over to there New and Orleans, catch that. Huh? With, with all that Oklahoma's done in Louisiana over the last few years, it, it seems like something I've got to be at. Just looking over some of the guys I see on the roster, try uh, and Lawrence take pictures. Keys is a wide receiver offer. Try and take pictures, and we can, try, we can play find the, ba- the bag man. Just take a lot of pictures up in the stands. <laughs> just shoot, yeah, just shoot everybody, all the hangers on around the stadium. Yeah, yeah I got you. Um, Devontae Where's Jason, uh, the, the wide receiver committed to Kansas. It's a Rivals 100 guy. Uh, Joe Fusha, he's a safety offer. I mean, there, there's really – and really one of the more interesting guys that I'm in, anxious to see for a couple of reasons is um, Cameron Wire, the offensive tackle that OU offered just the other night, who is the high school teammate of Adrian Ely, who just signed with Oklahoma. So he'll be there at the camp. Uh, a big, long guy. I had a chance to see him last year when I went to see Ely, and he's – He's not as physically overwhelming as Adrian Ely, but he is every bit of 6'6", 
260. I mean, he looks like an NBA power forward. He is real rangy guy. So, I mean, not surprisingly, it's New Orleans. There's going to be a bunch of talent, and probably I'll find five new names that OU should be looking at. So, I mean, that, that stuff always comes about in, uh, in kind of these camps in the southeast. By the way, as we are uh, doing the podcast, it's Friday afternoon. Uh, for some of you guys that just listen to the podcast that aren't subscribers to the site, uh, every day on the Crimson Corner, that's our premium message board, we kind of we keep track, we keep a running track of everything that's going on throughout the day and recruiting. Uh, one of the interesting things uh, that was put up today uh, was Josh's post with the Friday notes about Cameron Rising setting up some visits. Uh, or saying he's going to take some unofficial visits. And you know what? I, if I'm impartial in this thing, and I know, you know that Lincoln Riley is one of the hottest names in college football right now, I, I don't think it's such a stupid thing to kind of keep the door open and you know look at other schools. Now, if I'm OU fans are like, shut up, Kerry. Don't tell them, don't tell them that stuff. But you got to be realistic in this thing. Uh, and I'm wondering, like, at some point, is though you have to monitor this and start being realistic and saying, well, maybe we need to kind of keep communication open with some other quarterbacks as well. Well, uh, look at it. I mean, they never really closed the door on Casey Thompson. I'm, I'm not saying OU's actively recruiting him, but he's come to some games. He's been around. Like, so Oklahoma's never – I think they're aware that you, you have to, especially at that position, be ready to jump if something crazy happens. Now – uh, you know, and I said it in that post, I don't think this is much. I don't think this is a huge deal. I think he'll visit Texas. His dad has some connection to Tom Herman. Um, and I, I get any time that Texas comes up, OU fans just, you know, kind of pucker. I don't know how else to say it. They they get real concerned. But this isn't, this isn't a kid in Austin, Texas. This isn't a kid in Houston, Texas. He's from Los Angeles. He's going to go to wherever, you know, if he's picking a Big 12 school, Pick the one that's got a couple Heisman Trophy guys on the roster, a potential another one next year who's going to have a clear and present wide-open quarterback spot when he enrolls in school next January. So I, to me, I mean, I think Oklahoma has to be very present of mind about the situation with Lincoln Riley because he and Cameron Rising are very close. But as long as they make sure that's not the only connection that he has to OU – I think by the time that Lincoln Riley could take a job, I think all these spots are going to be gone. I don't. I just. I don't see places that Cameron Riley actually choose over Oklahoma having a spot for him. Should things, you know, like I said, should Lincoln Riley's status change? All right. Well, I. I think we've got to end this thing eventually. I've got to go back and find Joe's f bomb so I can get that out so I can put this up. <laughs> My bad. I feel Damn so bad. For, I feel so bad. At least that. it was somewhere near the beginning. There are going to be first ten minutes. Yeah. yeah. The best part about this podcast F is Joe. that you dropped you dropped the f bomb. Yet we can talk about it the entire time. So people aren't going to be like, I wonder what he said. No, you're going to know. He said yeah. f. Under my reign, you would have been fired immediately. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, Joe. Be thankful that we're not under Eddie's reign. Uh, Are we all thankful every day? Under, I, I also think that under Eddie's reign, that somehow Sooner Scoop would already have a private jet, even though they couldn't afford it, and there would be some type of Ponzi scheme that afforded him the 
the ability to be flying all over the country. I've always wanted. This to sounds like our one. first segment, like under Eddie's reign, like kind of like Conan O'Brien back in the, in the year two thousand. Like what what will happen under Eddie's reign? Like we could have him uh, give us some scenarios. Yeah, maybe it could be a weekly feature mm-hmm. of of how he will uh, illegally run this company if you <laughs> into the ground. If you want to be successful, you have to portray success. So I I could see him with the Sooner Scoop private jet. Bagman. Spend billions to make thousands. <laughs> Eddie would secretly be running a uh, sports agency on the back end. <laughs> I don't know about a sports agency. Probably a a nice little uh, backman oh, service. There'd, yeah, there'd be a nice little point shaving. Well, yeah, scandal. I mean, you should no, you should you should be a back. Yeah, there would be gambling involved. You would have to be a bagman too because it would benefit Sooner Scoop by paying athletes to come to OU in the first place, or paying them not to come to OU. How about that? Find the bad think, ones that yeah, think you didn't that. like, the guys you didn't like. Yeah. Hey, Cameron Rising, here's 50K. Why don't you just go to UCLA? See you in Tempe. I, I, I would never sentence somebody to uh, athletic career death by going to UCLA. <laughs> I think Eddie would send like Tate Martell to Texas just to fuel that rivalry. No, Tate Martell doesn't deserve to be in Division One. Yeah, I mean, no. If you know, Joe's got a point, though. You should orchestrate... Certain things that that make recruiting even more interesting, like I think putting Daryl Wyatt back at Texas would be a start, or maybe put him at like Oklahoma State. Eh, I like Mike Instead Gundy too Houston. much. Mike Gundy's coming into his prime. This isn't about what you like and you don't like. This is about the dollar bills. You're, you'd be oh, a, I think under under Eddie's publisher. reign is all about what Eddie likes. Eddie would take weekend trips down to his his own Mar-a-Lago, whatever that will be in Florida. I think if it's what <laughs> great. if it's what Eddie likes, I think we'll probably make a lot of money with how many people like Eddie. Eddie will have all of his dinners in public with Bob Stoops, so people can come around and take photos. <laughs> they exchange recruiting lists. That wouldn't be bad. That wouldn't be a bad thing. Get Steve Spurrier on payroll somehow to. But, but is Eddie 100%. going to? Are they going to split up the tab, or does Eddie have to eat like a piece of hamburger and some water, and then later talk about how it was uh, he was robbed of this? Oh, tab? no, I'm not a douchebag. He he just <laughs> he just passes it on to uh, all the old ladies that he's convinced are subscribing to Cat Fancy or whatever their his Ponzi scheme is. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I think I'll. I got a lot of planning to do this weekend for when your rain begins. Yeah. Okay. Be drinking. All right, uh, don't get arrested, Eddie. Although, if you do film it, I guess you you could stay in the pokey a few days, and this time of year it wouldn't really hurt. Uh, yeah. You know what? You know what I'll do if I if I do get arrested in Dallas this weekend, I will come back. Let's with, not have this scenario. Well, I was just gonna. It's not gonna happen. I I highly doubt that. But uh, knock, knock on, on wood. wood. Uh, if I do come back, I'll have a full report on if Parish Cobb is hard or not. <laughs> I don't think he is. So, all right. And on that note, that will end the unofficial forty for this week. <laughs> Thanks to Josh McQuestion, who uh, cannot wait to to leave and go probably hug his daughter to know that humanity still exists. Uh, I'm not thinking Eddie Radosovich for this show. I do think Joe Duvall, even though he dropped an f bomb, that I now have to go find and bleep out before I can post this podcast. So. 
Uh, until next time, go on iTunes, give us a rating. Uh, regardless of what Eddie does to your view of humanity. And uh, we'll see you next time right here on the Unofficial 40 on Soonerscoop.com.